1: Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern.
0: Welcome in. It is a December 3 edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Uremchuk filling in for Frank Saravalli today, joined by Steve Greeley, Steve December 3rd are you the kind of guy is your holiday shopping done already and you're relaxing or are you waiting till like the 23rd are you running out on Christmas Eve finishing it up
3: I, I will be running around like crazy <laughs> kind of like the Islanders in the defensive zone this week I will be all over the place trying to get things done but no it's uh you know what December 3rd it's a warning shot that it's time to get ready so I appreciate you keeping me uh alert That's what I'm here for. We'll touch on the Islanders in just a second, but
0: a bigger story maybe to get to right off the bat. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and dig into Jeff Gordon's first press conference in Montreal. And Steve, I love the fact that he came out and tried his hand with a little bit of French off the top. It's been such a big story with the Anglophone running the Habs. I, I just thought it showed some personality and I think that does something as well to kind of endear him to the fan base too.
3: Yeah, I thought I watched the press conference. I thought Jeff did a great job. I thought the uh, intro in French was a nice touch, made me kind of think that he took uh, French till to at least ninth grade or so. Um, I'm sure he rehearsed that many times leading up, but I thought he did a great job. And, you know, watching the press conference, um, I thought he said all the right things. And that's because that's the kind of guy Jeff Gordon is. There is a plan, there is a strategy. Um, this wasn't just a, a PR stunt. He, he, he is the right leader for Montreal. I thought some of the answers he gave, you know, they asked about Ducharme. Um, that gave clarity to the coaching staff and that gave some co- the clarity to the players where they're not just wondering if an axe is going to come down. I think that's very important. Um, he talked about the general manager position and what that role actually is with him. But also more importantly, media asking when that's going to happen. And, you know, what Jeff did is he bought himself some time. He said, they said, before or after Christmas, and Jeff went with the after. And does that mean it's going to be on December 26th? No, it, it could be a month after, but it also could be before. But what he did was he bought himself some time on many, many areas. I thought he endeared himself to the fans. And, you know, everything I've seen so far is rave reviews from uh, the media was there. And, and I enjoyed watching it myself.
0: Yeah, the thing I liked about it is, I mean, every Canadian market, every big market is like this. You don't want to give some big headline, right? Like sometimes you'll see people come out in these first press conferences and, you know, like they did in Vegas. We're going to win a Stanley Cup by year five and things like that. I like that Goran just sat back and said, hey, I'm not rushing to hire a GM. I'm not rushing to make a coaching change. I'm going to sit and see what I have here. And we're going to take the patient approach because they really do have to get this right. I mean, you can see right here on the board we have, uh, it's, it's not going well in Montreal to say the least right now on the ice. But at least off the ice, it feels like they have a little bit of clarity. He added, uh, he wants to build a fast skilled team. He wants to work on their analytics department. Like really, I think if I'm a Habs fan, I'm sitting here and I'm sort of taking a deep breath and going, all right. Bergman's gone you know he he did a good job there in my opinion but we have a guy here who's going to be a real steady hand on the controls and uh, as we transition into our next topic I don't know what the New York Islanders need Steve I mean they have just five wins in 18 games this season is there a change they can make or do they just have
3: to ride this out with the guys they have i don't see any change coming right now um and that's because i don't think this was planned for you know before the year myself included i think a lot of us had the islanders as metro potential champs and that's obviously not where they are today they had that crazy 13 game road trip to start the year uh and they haven't bounced back and so the reason i don't see change is what is the move? Is it you trade your first round pick to get, uh, you know, a uh, high-end talent up front? I, I just don't think that makes sense right now. Um, are you trading guys off your roster? Is that the solution? I, I don't think there's an answer away from the team right now. I think this is a group with one of the best coaches in the league, one of the best GMs in the league. And they, they will dig deep and try to sort it out. Um, they do have nine home games remaining in December. I think that's huge. Um are they going to go nine and zero? Probably not, but some sort of resurgence, some sort of push to be a wild card team has to happen now. And you know we have the numbers over here: Palmieri with one goal, Bailey with one goal. Um, those were not things you planned on, and I do think those guys are better players than they performed. So you're looking for guys that. Not, they're not going to you know overperform or exceed your expectations, but they have to meet your expectations. And for some reason, the island that hasn't happened this year, and I, and I do think a big part of it was the, the 13 games on the road to start. It's not an excuse in pro sports, but we talked about it a few weeks ago. I think it was the longest road stretch to to start a season for any team of all time. So they got to dig deep and find it internally because I don't think there's outside the organization right now.
0: I was chatting with our producer Alex before the show and he pointed out how insane it is that this team's goal differential is minus 20 and their starting goalie is a 929 save percentage a goals against average of 2.39 it shows you how much the offense has dried up on Long Island Barzell hasn't hit double digit points Nelson's the only one there that has their captain Anders Lee was supposed to be a spark as well after dealing with an injury last year he has just four points through 13 games this season as well i agree with you steve a coaching change isn't going to fix this in my opinion they have a good coach they they got to dig deep they don't have the cap space they can't trade their first round pick because again that comes with a huge risk if you don't make the playoffs i really do think they just got to lean on the guys they have in the room here and uh maybe try to pull out a 10 game heater at some point uh Let's keep moving on. Let's head out west. Brad Tree Living was the guest on the DFO Rundown today with Jason Greger and Frank Cervali. It's a fantastic interview. He went into his career, which is just absolutely fascinating. Highly recommend checking it out wherever you get your podcast from. But he also had some interesting comments about Andrew Mangiapani, who's having a career year in a contract year. Here's what Tree Living had to say.
4: Well, I find that with not just Andrew, all those players, the representatives don't really want to hear that, hey, he's having a good year in a contract year you know, can we get a little discount for that? Because he had, um, good for him, number one, and and good for us. Andrew's, Andrew's an important player, has grown into a really important player. To me is, I I keep calling it sort of a, it's a great example of, of of hard work, what hard work does. You know, this is a guy who um, went through a draft, has been, has been sort of counted out at every level that he's been at. Yeah, we've, we've, you know, any any players that are up or, or in contract years, obviously, we've, we've had lots of dialogue with his representative. We look at him as a real big piece of our team moving forward, um, you know, and we'll, we'll we'll continue to work through that process. I don't necessarily comment on those things publicly as they're going on, um, but, uh, you know, we certainly know we have some work to get done there with Andrew, and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll put the focus on everything that he's doing on the ice right now, and quietly work away at business behind the scenes, and and hopefully at, at some point uh, get something done.
0: Having it, they're going ah. The team's gonna have to pay him so much. But what's it like in a front office when a player's having the year that Manjiapani's having, but he needs a new deal? I
3: think Brad Tree Living said it perfectly. Good for him. Good for us. Um, That's exactly what you want. It's kind of like we talked about the Islanders a minute ago. You want your players meeting expectations or exceeding. So is Mangiapane doing more than Calgary thought? Is he he right where they predicted? Whatever that answer is, it's huge for Calgary. And, you know, I think the fans that are saying, oh, in a career year, nobody was saying that they wanted Mangiapane to have three or four goals this year. Everyone wants them to do well that's a fan of that team. And, you know, Tree's approach, I, I totally agree with you. You're going to keep it quiet. You're going to keep it internal. You don't need numbers out there from your side or the agent's camp. It, it just creates a little bit of a circus. And we've seen it before. We Out of the blue, a Morgan Riley extension or a Fox extension yeah. that you don't see coming in the media. And I think that's what Calgary's going to try to do here. And this is exactly how they should conduct business. So good for them and good for Mangiapani.
0: Staying along the lines of needing a new contract, let's get into another edition of The Negotiator. And Steve, this week you're taking a look at Ryan Strom of the New York Rangers, a guy who's been riding shotgun with Artemi Panarin for the last couple of years and putting up some good numbers for the Rangers. This is a big decision. They already paid big money to Mika Zabinijad. What do you think could happen with the other center?
3: Well, I think... I think the Strom Panarin chemistry is very similar to our chemistry, Tyler. Just, you know, you Mm -hmm. can't separate us. Maybe you should be here instead of Frank Monday, me and you. But (laughs) um, I think, you know, we talked about when Strom, in the article, we talked about Strom coming to the Rangers in a deal for Ryan Spooner. At the time, he had two points in 18 games. Now, I think as a Ranger during the three years, he's at about 0.74 points per game. Could be off slightly there during his time there. But the chemistry with Panarin is undeniable. And it's something for the Rangers that's crucial. These guys love playing together. They are the most common line mates that one another has. Um, I I think the Rangers are gonna try to find a way to make it work. Uh, Strom obviously, hey, he's entitled to his biggest contract of his career. So it'll be interesting, but there's no denying that Ryan Strom loves being in Manhattan and loves playing there. Um, You know, if we look at some of the comps, I think what the team's probably looking at is Charlie Coyle, Philip Deneau, um, you know, those guys are very similar in their points per game. Strom's just a little ahead. And what's the agent doing? Well, he's, he's looking at the other end of the spectrum, you know, the Braden Chens and the Kevin Hayes of the world. Um, my, my gut says that the Rangers, to keep this AAV where they would like it, well, might give an extra year. Uh, so I'm looking at about seven years times 5.65 million million brings them a hair under 40 million when it's all said and done. Um, it's a great deal for Strom. And what the Rangers do is they get to keep the Panarin-Strom connection going. So he's not their number one center. That's Zibinijad, you know, who's just signed a deal in the eights. I know Strom's not gonna get that, but I think he realizes, you know, this is what he is. He's their number two center that plays with their top left wing. So it'll be an interesting one to monitor, but I think, um, the you know, filling the middle of the is is a challenge and when you have a connection this good you want to keep it just quickly before we end this segment and get to Rachel Dory
0: uh, do you think Strom could maybe benefit from hitting the open market or do you think that chemistry with Panarin
3: could maybe shy some teams away from
0: paying Strom
3: I think typically there's always a little bit more money on the open market um, but there is something to be said for being comfortable loving your teammates loving playing in that current city so the other part quickly is it's hard to turn down something guaranteed at this point in time so if something good comes along you're risking injury you're risking something happening you know it's why a lot of these deals end up getting done perfect and uh let's
0: bring in or let's get to our big segment of the day it's the number crunch with rachel dory It's always a pleasure to bring Rachel Dory into the show and today we're going to drill down on the center of the universe the Toronto Maple Leafs Rachel it was pandemonium after four games in Toronto everyone was freaking out in that market and now well, it's pretty much the opposite end of the spectrum. I want to go back to last year a little bit as well what's been the big difference in, in the change in this Leafs team.
1: Well, i think you look at it you kind of set it right off the hop there in toronto where i happen to live you get one end of the spectrum or the other there's no level-headed thinking everybody calm down and let's think about this rationally that's not a thing in toronto it's either really good or you must fire everyone there's there's no difference but you look at one of the biggest criticisms of the leafs since i've basically been alive is their five on five defense and you look at it this year and they are a much changed team their goals against per game just over two, that's number two in the NHL. So they're clearly one of the better defensive teams. Their special teams has been absolutely fantastic. They rank in the top 10 in both. And then you look at their five-on-five play, which kind of goes to team defense. They've, they're ranked number six in the NHL, and they have a five-on-five goal differential of plus 13. You heard Jared Bednar the other day saying that they play a puck possession game, that they're much more difficult to play against in the defensive zone, and that's a really big, feather in the cap to everybody who's playing and coaching with the Leafs because it was their biggest kind of sore spot coming into this season is their lack of ability to defend. And so the fact that they've come out and sort of really put the pedal to the metal in terms of playing defense has been fantastic.
3: Rachel, one of the questions I had for you, we're looking at Jack Campbell's success this year and he's a UFA. So we talked about Strom being a UFA, having success. Now we're in Campbell you know, is this a player you think Toronto can let go? Any idea just as a guess, how many years you think he he's looking for? To me, he seems almost irreplaceable at this moment in time for them.
1: I think if you're Toronto right now, you look at what he's bringing to the team and goalies that have played over 800 minutes. Um, So basically if you're a starting goaltender, he ranks only behind Jacob Markstrom in save percentage at five on five and goals saved above expected. He's already saved 11 goals above expected which is insane. Like, I would say it's not really sustainable. But I don't think you can afford to lose him, Steve. Honestly, when you think about how the players love playing for him, you look at the camaraderie, the type of teammate that he is, and the confidence that these guys play with in front of their goaltender, that really matters. And the Leafs, I mean, they had Freddie Anderson for five years, and he was great in the regular season. But they've really been missing that playoff goalie. And I think if Campbell proves in the playoffs this year, that he can be a playoff guy and he's got to play a full season. That's the other thing. I think you're looking at probably at least a four or five year deal there because you want to lock a guy like that up.
0: And you mentioned the playoffs there. That's going to be the big question for this Toronto team. Yesterday on the show, Frank and Mike McKenna ranked their top five cup contenders. Do the Leafs deserve to be in that conversation, in your opinion? Are they one of the premier teams in the NHL right now?
1: I think if you look at it, they've been one of the best regular season teams for a few years now, but their problem is not the regular season. Their problem is the playoffs. And so I think if you look at it and you look at the underlying numbers and kind of like we just talked about their commitment to defense, I mean, they're winning the expected goals share. They rank number two. You look at the scoring chances they're generating, they rank number four. You look at the high danger goals for percentage which is 60%, which means they're scoring in the high danger areas and they're not giving up in the high danger areas. And you look at their PDO, I mean, they're pretty much right on par. It's not like this is attributed to luck. So I would say that if they can continue to play this defensive hockey, they're absolutely a Stanley Cup contender. But I'm one of those people that says, you fool me once, fool me twice. Like, we're not going down this road again until you win a playoff series.
0: I love that point there. Rachel, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Enjoy your weekend. This has been another edition of The Number Crunch. All right, Steve, let's jump into our inbox question of the show today. Hashtag AskDFO. You can send them in on Twitter. You can hit us up on Instagram and our DMs as well, at Daily Faceoff. It's a big weekend around the NHL. Plenty of games on tab grills. Our question is simple. What's the best weekend matchup coming up in the NHL?
3: The game I am looking forward to is Toronto Maple Leafs at Minnesota. We just saw Toronto take care of Colorado at home. So now we got another team out west who is on fire, Minnesota. I think they're 7-2-1 in their last 10. They're 9-2 at home. Uh, Hartman, Kaprizov, Zuccarell on absolute fire. And then we have the Leafs at 9-1 at uh, in their last 10. And as we know, well-documented in this show on across North America, the team is on fire. Um, what I like about the matchup, besides the teams playing very well, Minnesota's second in the league in goals for. Toronto's third in the league in goals against. It's a, It's a matchup where we're gonna see hey we looking at a 7-6 game we looking at a 2-1 game what's it going to take to win this one so that's the game i've circled that i'm pumped up to watch um, but yeah like you said tons of good tons of good games but this is the one for me for me,
0: I, I'm really looking forward to the matchup tomorrow night between the Islanders and Red Wings, which is not something I thought I'd be saying at the beginning of the year. But you have the best surprise in the league in the in the Red Wings who are riding a four-game heater. You have the worst surprise in the league in the Islanders, who we already touched on earlier. It's a four-game win streak against a nine-game win-less streak. And that starts at the same time as the Leafs wild. Tomorrow night. So maybe you're going to have to work the PVR a little bit to get both of them in. Um, but I'm really excited to see that Islanders Red Wings matchup for some reason. Uh, speaking of good matchups, let's get into our daily best bet segment, courtesy of our friends at Points Bet. I got a couple of plays today. And as you can see right there, they are both coming from the same game. So let's jump into it. I'm taking the Rangers in regulation tonight against the San Jose Sharks. The Rangers 6-1-1 on home ice this year. They're riding a four-game win streak. They've scored 18 goals in that span as well. And the Sharks have been a decent road team this year. They're 8-5. and It's a great record. They don't score a lot. And if they end up going up against Igor Shesterkin today, I think that is a recipe for success. For the Rangers. So if it's Shesterkin between the pipes. I'm hammering Rangers at minus 125. In regulation tonight at MSG. And then I'm digging into a player prop here as well. And taking Mika Zabinijad Over half an assist. Hang out a nice juicy plus 130 he's hit this in three of his last four games so I like the price tag here for Zabinijad to go over half an assist and the Rangers to win in regulation we've been sputtering along as of late 47 30 and two on the year but we're still up 14.4 units so I'm looking to get back to my winning ways a little bit here Steve and uh to wrap things up let's get into some garbage time what you got
3: outdoor rink season is arriving um we're seeing them start to pop up all over new england you probably have them all over your neighborhood already um but you know we saw the jerseys unveiled yesterday we have st louis and minnesota we got nashville and tampa coming for the winter classics this year um just a time of year to me that we feel deep into the hockey season and, you know, I, to me, this is back to the roots. We're going to read about in 30 years the kids that grew up playing on their backyard rinks. And we're going to read about this week about players that grew up playing on their own backyard rinks. So exciting time of season for me because it's, this is the, the deep part of hockey, right? So we're looking forward to the Winter Classics less, a little less than a month in away, And I know that we'll uh, be chatting about them greatly as, we, as it leads up to it.
0: Uh, there's no better feeling than when I drive by the outdoor rink by my place. And for the first time I see them hosing it down and getting the white, it's, it's unbelievable quickly. Uh, we got the bolts and the Smashville uh, stadium series or winter classic jerseys. We saw the other day, your thoughts on those. They're a little bit too far out there for me.
3: I, I did love the unveiling of the Tampa one with uh Killorn and the um, jet ski, bringing it to um, stay on coast. <laughs> I thought that was outstanding. I will reserve my judgment. Uh, Not my favorites, but let's see how they show up outdoors under the bright lights. Sometimes they look a little better than they do in a press conference.
0: Nothing says winter like Nashville and Tampa Bay. grills. you enjoy your weekend, man. And the Daily Face-Off show will return on Monday. Thanks to everyone who tuned in this week. Reminder, you can find the Daily Face-Off show up on our Hockey Fights YouTube, or you can download it as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Tyler Rumstruck filling in for Frank Saravali, and signing off for another week of the Daily Face-Off show.
1: Thanks for watching the Daily Face Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.
4: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.